Welcome to A Higher Branch, a source of practical and powerful information for busy people dedicated to boosting their personal health and professional performance. I'm your host, Sam McCall. Hello and welcome to all our community out there. And I hope you're all living consciously in these very strange and uncertain times. Now, with me today, I'm really, really excited to be talking about this topic once again because we have covered the topic of skin and face aging and just generally the skin's impact on our emotional well-being. But today we're going to do a deep dive from another perspective and I know you guys are going to get a lot out of it. And uh, with me today in the studio is Chisa Westcar. And she's a nutritional medicine practitioner, dermal clinician, health coach, and educator of all things nutrition. She has a, a wide variety of thought leadership to share with us. She has a Bachelor of Business Studies, Bachelor of Health Sciences in Clinical Dermal Therapies, a Master's Degree in Human Nutrition, Advanced Diploma in Nutritional Medicine, and she is the founder of Nutritional Skincare Academy, an online and face-to-face training for skin specialists. Believe me, Chisa is the go-to person, not just for lay people like us, but even for specialists in the industry. And she's extremely passionate about what she does. And she also is a wellness coach at the All Saints Skin Clinic. For most of you would know is uh, where Dr. Joseph uh, Hakik works and he was the very first uh, podcast that we produced on the impact of uh, face aging on our emotional well-being uh, but Chisa is also a nutritionist at Glow Skin and Nutrition Consultancy and she's been in the industry since 1996 which is incredible because you look so young, Chisa. <laughs> um, on that note, welcome to A Higher Branch. Wow, you've done your homework. Yes. Thank you. What a great introduction. <laughs> Thank you so much. I'm pleased to be here. So Chisa's primary role is to assist in finding the best solutions for clients suffering from health-related conditions. Now, you've worked with clients who... Uh, so you're a skin specialist, mm. but you also work on abdominal bloating and discomfort. Yes. yeah people who are suffering from lethargy, even mm. insomnia, skin-related conditions, stress-related disorders, mm. anxiety, and you really tie them all back into what's going on in our gut. I do. Yeah. Yes. And so you, your real passion is for all things skin. Yes, but all, all things gut, really. When I first started out in the, in the industry in um, 1996, we didn't know anything about gut health. So it was really a matter of trying to do the best that we could with lotions and potions um, and not really getting very far. You know, I'm glad you you said that because 1996 is a long time ago Mm. and I can tell you even 10 years ago, people didn't know, like the word gut health wasn't around. Why has there suddenly been an increase in that, uh, you know, in that topic? Yeah, I think um, a... a, um, a project called the Human Microbiome Project kicked it off, where there was funding um, thrown at research into yes. gut health. Yes. And it was then that all of this research showed that there was so much more to our health than just perhaps eating well or sleeping. Yes. That within us lived a thriving community of microbes that were very dependent on our lifestyle in terms of 
you know, what we manifested. Yes, and what I yes. mean by that is communities of microbes that, if our diet was good and our stress levels were down, thrived. If our diet was poor and our stress levels were up, then these microbial, the, the microbial diversity was then impacted. And so I think as research became available and people started to read, the fascination really is what has um, yeah, made it as, as popular a topic as it is today. We know a lot more now than we, we have ever done, and I think, like I said, it was thanks to this Human Microbiome Project. That's awesome. But you know what? I remember being a little boy living in this village in, at the base of Mount Lebanon, and my grandmother, even, you know, this would have been 1973, mm. right, would... I would follow her around. She would teach me things that were good for my gut back then. Back then. And she would say, like cucumber, for example, we associate with good things. But she would say, don't eat cucumber before midday, for oh. example. It's bad for your, your gut. Really? And so, you know, in ancient wisdom, you know, mm. our grandparents mm. knew the importance of gut health. Absolutely. Even back then, right? Well, think of fermentation. You know, every culture has some form of fermentation yes um, and we know that by fermenting these vegetables and fruits there is a lot of health benefit that's associated with that we now know that we have bacteria yes. and microbes that are actually present in these fermented vegetables or fruits that when we eat actually confer health benefits that more so than than eating them fresh for example so we think of kefir um, and with kefir, you can get milk kefir, yes. which is a fermented milk drink. Yes. Or you think of, of kraut, yeah, eating sauerkraut. We know that there are probiotics or live cultures of bacteria yes. that are in these ferments that actually confer health benefits. So, yes, without really knowing, you know, what yeah. these words were, <laughs> probiotics and bacteria, yes, in, in ancient cultures, there was definitely some kind of knowledge or understanding that it there was about. Been. I mean, mm. they didn't have a label on it, but no. she would like feed us things like lentils yeah. and beans and yeah. and tell us that it was good for our gut. Mm. And, and there was also, there was this correlation between what you ate and the time of day you ate it as well. Right, you know, okay, and yes. And how that influenced the gut bacteria. Because mm. it's funny because I can eat a banana in the morning. Yes. And feel great, but if I have the same banana in the evening when the sun goes down, yeah. I don't think my gut, you know, my uh, gut bacteria likes it. Mm. And, <laughs> and then, and our gut microbiome, which basically is made up of these microbes that live in the gut, and their genetic, their genetic material, yes. differs from one person to the next. Wow. So I always say that no two people are the same. Yes. So one of the things that I'm very focused on is the concept of bio individuality, which means that two people can come and see me. Mm -hmm. And I would not recommend the same things for both because their makeup is very different. I love that. Mm. I love that. And this is one of the principles of a higher branch is that we are so unique mm. individually. So how we climb higher in each of the eight areas of life, it's a different journey for all of us. Absolutely. And it's even more so with, uh, obviously, health. So yoga for some may be great, but for others may be stressful. Absolutely. I'm one of those. Yeah. I, I, I struggle with yoga. Yeah. Absolutely struggle with it. Pilates I love. But yoga, yeah, I, I love to walk. Yes. You know, I'll go on a, on a long walk for, for stress management. But I just find that um, yoga is a, is a challenge. Yes. Which I'm, I'm hoping to maybe one day um, 
be able to, <laughs> to do, but I've got other things that I can do in the meantime. But I like your approach to, uh, to gut health mm. and how it's very specific mm. to that person. And, um, uh, yeah, I, I think that's because I'm, I'm really tired of people saying, oh, eat avocados, it's good for you, mm. or do high-intensity interval training, mm. it's good for you. Look, it's not good for everyone, not good for right? Everyone, no. And, you know, uh, my good friend and chiropractor, Luke Curry, you know, uh, he takes a similar approach to you. And I love working with thought leaders who look at the person and treat them as, as an individual, not just in a class of people. It's the only way. Yeah. If you want to get results. So uh, today we're going to cover a number of areas, you know, stress, sleep, water, diet. And uh, obviously we have to talk in general terms mm. because you, you're not doing a one-on-one with somebody. So why is, why is our skin health so important then? Well, skin health is important because people judge you. The first thing people see is, is your face, your skin. Yes. And I think that your skin is a reflection of your internal health. Yes. Um, people come to see me who are very self-conscious about whatever. It might be excessive redness on the face where they have rosacea, for example. It might be capillary networks that they don't want to sort of be so yes. visible. But it might also be pigmentation issues. Yes. Or it might be, you know, acne, that they have tried, you know, so many different remedies that yes. have not really sort of given them the results that they're after. And what I find typically when people come to see me with skin issues is that their confidence is impacted by yes. the health of their skin. Absolutely. Um, yep. There's self-loathing, mm. uh, people self-harm. You know, I, I know of quite a few people with acne who have gone to the beach to get sand to scrub away the acne on their skin, you know, which, of course, is not going to do anything to make it worse. Yes. Um, they, there are studies that show that young boys are more likely to commit suicide if they have cystic pustular nodular acne. So it's, and you know, when young boys come in to see me, for example, they will have their hair over their face, their eyes are downcast, and you know, they're just not confident at all. And what we give them, what I give them back is confidence because we clear their face, they have a haircut, and it's a completely transformed individual. Wow, so it's a very powerful modality. Oh, it is, it, it yeah. absolutely is. So someone like that, it's no good, you know, sending your, uh, you know, a person like that to as uh, you know, a psychotherapist. I mean, it, it'll help, but the underlying problem is how they feel about their skin. It's the first thing they look it's at the in thing. the mirror yeah. every morning. Yeah, and, and if that starts to clear, then they're going to be more open to doing other things. And their natural personality shines through? At every time, yeah. Wow, so yeah. that's really powerful. You must have seen some transformation. Uh, I love what I do. I yeah. love what I do because, yes, we... I'm always very big on, in the consultation process, handing responsibility back to the person. I can tell you what to do, but you need to also play a part in it. So it's, it's almost like a, a bit of a, a, um, a transaction. Yes. I'll do what I'm, I need to do, but you also need to do what you have to do. So you can help topically, but nutritionally, yeah. that you, you advise them what to do nutritionally. Yeah, so whenever I have someone come in to see me with a skin issue, yes. I always, in my consultation, find out what their diet's like because there's usually a very strong correlation between diet and skin health and yet it was not that long ago when the medical fraternity dismissed diet as being linked That's to right. acne yep. etc yes and it goes beyond that because what we now know is that your diet impacts the trillions of microbes that live in your gut mm -hmm. and we typically split them up into what we call beneficial 
or good. Yes. And then we have our opportunistic or potentially pathogenic microbes. And these are the ones that in the right environment will cause disease and illness. And so this community of microbes yes, yeah. cohabit quite happily in the gut in the right environment. And when the environment, environment is right, then the beneficial microbes are in the majority. So they create an environment in the gut that keeps the potentially pathogenic ones numbers very con tightly controlled. Do we need the pathogenic uh, we, microbes we, at all? They, yeah. I mean, they all live within us. We have viruses that live within us. We have fungus and yeast and, and mites and mites that live on our skin. But we've got a community of these microbes that, yes, they all exist, yes. doing us no harm when the environment's right. And that is very much diet-driven. Yes. When our diet changes, then our beneficial microbes who, that protect us yes. are impacted their numbers go down and, the, and then these potentially pathogenic microbes numbers come up. What's really, I think, amazing is knowing that 80% of our immune system resides in the gut. Yes. And our microbes inform our immune system. So when you have your good microbes numbers depleted and the potentially pathogenic microbes numbers increased, they're communicating with the immune system. And that's where we have, you know, um, our health compromised. That's where we have um, more of um, an exposure to, you know, to, to illness and disease. So when you say the pathogenics start communicating more, yeah, what does that mean? Uh, like, how are they communicating bad yeah. <laughs> signals? Yeah, bad signals. Bad yeah. signals or good signals. I'll give you an yeah. example. So when I mentioned before that with skin conditions, I always look at gut health. Yes. There is a very strong connection to gut brain health and gut skin health. Mm -hmm. And this is due to signaling that occurs between the gut and the brain and signaling that occurs between the gut and the skin. So there are signals that are released by these microbes that are then able to travel and for example, impact skin health. Yep, yep. For example, someone with rosacea typically will have gut-related issues, um, a, a low amount of stomach acid being produced. Um, they will also have, typically with rosacea, um, you'll find that um, they have something called small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. So SIBO or SIBO is a condition that has been linked to rosacea. Ah, when yes, they've yes. done studies, they've that. found yep. that there is a very mm -hmm. strong correlation. Um, with, with acne, yes. if the diet is very highly processed or refined, the, the, the connection there is you have increased sebum production. Yes. Because, for example, I have lots of teenagers who eat a lot of junk food. Junk food means that they will typically have a high glucose spike yes. when they eat these foods. Mm -hmm. High glucose spiking is going to spike insulin. Insulin, we call our blood sugar regulator. Yes. Insulin, once it's spiked, is going to cause sebum production to change. It's also going to cause skin cell proliferation to increase. And why that is so important to identify in an acne patient yes. is that lining every follicle, what we call pores, mm -hmm. are skin cells. So they're not just on the sur surface of the skin, they also line the follicle walls within that follicle. Yes. So when you have insulin spiking, 
these skin cells start to shed and they mix with the sebum or the oil gland, yes. the production of sebum, mm -hmm. that has changed and become very waxy. So together, sticky sebum and these skin cells cause a blockage in that pore or that follicle. And we identify it as a blackhead. Yes. But that's the starting point for acne breakouts because trapped in that plug, you have got a colony of bacteria that are problematic. And, they, and that's diet related. And they virtually just cook the skin, don't they? The, the bacteria? Yeah. Well, rather, what they do is they actually cause the follicle wall to weaken. Right, okay. Because they're munching on the products of the, of the, the oil, but they're releasing inflammatory waste. And that inflammatory okay, waste yep. causes the follicle wall to, yes. to, to break. And then you have the spread. So you then have the, the pores or the follicles in that area affected. Yes. So you've got this, this knock-on effect. And so what they do is they cause, um, they cause inflammation. Yes. We were always taught never to squeeze a breakout, not because it's going to spread the infection on the surface, but it's going to cause the follicle walls to rupture. And the spreading of the infection is underneath. So in, in the dermis rather than on the surface So you the should skin. never bust a pimple. Never, never bust a pimple. Ah, thank you. If a pimple needs to be busted, it shouldn't <laughs> be done by you. My uh, position on that is vindicated because <laughs> I have that argument with my wife and daughter. Yes. And they're obsessed with... <laughs> yes, because we don't like anything popping up on our faces that shouldn't be there. Yes. But we tend to say, if you're going to have it done, it should be done in a, in a skin clinic where the environment is sterile. Yes. Because we tend to use our dirty fingers to pick spots. Yes. And the problem, of course, with that is that you're going to end up with scarring. So you mentioned skin clinic. I did forget earlier. Yes. Where can people find you? Because people will be listening to this halfway through and say, oh, I have to uh, connect with this person. So, so uh, most people leave this to the end, but I yeah. like to drop it in halfway through okay. just in case. So where can people find you? So I am at All Saints Clinic in Double Bay, as you mm -hmm. mentioned. I also do online consults. What's your website called? Glowskinandnutrition.com glowskinandnutrition.com mm. yep. okay. one day a month I'm up in Erina mm -hmm. and very soon I'm going to be doing a day in a clinic out of Rose Bay okay yes wonderful so I see you at the All Saints clinic yes. on Wednesdays you do and I'm yes. very excited that you do come to see me yes <laughs> well I've had one treatment the assessment and on Wednesday we're actually gonna doing get, some laser get stuck in get yeah, stuck in yeah. I'm um so you're yes. going to have to put up a before and after yes. because it's going to be quite... Well, you told me this morning when you came in that my skin was looking It's good. glowing. Your skin's it actually is? glowing. Okay, yeah. that's so good. That's a, that's a good start. <laughs> but I had to make sure that you were actually using the products that I've given you too. And you, I am. You assure me that you are. But I have uh, not been very kind to my gut bacteria lately because I've been drinking alcohol the last few days. Okay, but you now, know that they can always be replenished. Yes. So it doesn't take much for your good microbes to start to become the majority again that's it that's what i do i get back got back on track this morning um with my diet so uh, before we started recording this yes. you were telling me that alcohol abuse is a problem at the moment yeah. and the term alcohol abuse sounds pretty drastic but sometimes it can be just really subtle people who just have a drink or two every every night every night yeah. right on yeah. an empty stomach yeah tell us what what does alcohol do for our gut bacteria what, because, uh, you know, people say, oh, drink a day is good for you. Mm. And you get so many conflicting things about alcohol. Yes. And other people say it's a toxin. You know? Yes. And there, it, it is a toxin. Yes. Um, I, I don't 
I mean, I'm not the um, I'm not trying to tell anyone what to do, but I think you know to answer the question, there are a number of things, lifestyle choices yes. that have an adverse effect on gut health. And when I mentioned before oh. about having your dominant um, beneficial microbes yes. and you're not so good pathogenic ones, in order to keep your dominant microbes healthy and functioning and working for you, then there are foods and beverages that um, need to be consumed or avoided. Right, okay. And so alcohol, apart from being a toxin, is also going to um, decimate your good microbial flora. Okay. Um, I get a lot of women who come in to see me. Yes. Uh, they may come in for skin, but then during the consultation we find out that there are underlying issues. And in Australia, the biggest drinking demographic is actually women between the ages of 35 and 55. Is that right? Yes. Okay. Bigger drinkers are men. Right. Because they are drinking ongoing, whereas men might, you know, decide to have a big night out with the boys and, and, and go for it, maybe on the weekends, for example. I know that there are some men that drink every night, but it, with women, it's a, it's a much bigger... So what's going on there? Are they what they call the soccer mums? Soccer mums, um, mm. yes, they can be soccer mums. You find women who are lonely in marriages, for example, mm. that just need something to, I don't know, give them a bit of comfort, say. And so these women are opening a bottle of wine while yes. they're cooking dinner then they sit down to another bottle of wine. And it's become such a habit that they don't even think about it. But then what they notice is that they have it affecting their skin because what alcohol does is dilate blood vessels. So ongoing drinking is going to lead to the um, flare-up right. of these blood vessels. Mm -hmm. So you then have quite obvious signs of blood vessel dilatation in the forms of what we call capillary networks sort of being visible on the skin. We call them telangiectasia. So you'll find maybe on the sides of the nose, you'll find on the cheeks, that there's this constant redness that's visible. And then, so the next morning, people have these conditions, then cover it up with makeup, They right? cover it up with makeup, Instead yeah. of treating the underlying problem. Well, they don't really know how to. So they might come in to see us, you know, with concerns about this redness, um, but they're not necessarily going to make some changes they're not necessarily going to want to make some changes i see a lot of women like that who will come in for some laser yes but what we let them know is yes you can have laser but you will always have these capillary net networks starting to reappear if you don't address if you don't if or if you health. if you don't make some adjustments to your drinking yes and so i think what the hardest thing is is not having a solution so you know for example to have a beverage there are some on the market um, that contain probiotics, contain antioxidants. And I, one of my little tricks is to get them to add a cap full of, of a particular bev beverage like that that is probiotic rich to some sparkling water. Right. And I serve it in a champagne flute. So when they come to see me in clinic, I will actually leave the room and go and get them this beverage with some sparkling water, chilled sparkling water in it, yes. and present it in a champagne flute. I love that. That's so cool. Because <laughs> psychologically, yes. they feel like they're still having a drink. But, but it tastes really pleasant as well. Yes. So it could almost be a cocktail. Yes. And it never fails. So yes. they'll, they'll purchase the beverage, they'll go home, and they will try it. And when they come back to see me, there is a very obvious improvement in 
the ruddiness yes. on their face, but also in their mood. Because for once, they've actually been able to have undisturbed sleep. They've actually, you know, noticed a big change in their mood. So, so skin and mood. So there's a strong correlation between the microbiome and skin, but also sleep. Yes. Yeah. How does how does the gut bacteria influence our well, sleep? Well, I think when you it comes back to stress. Yeah. Stress levels. Whenever you have someone with a high amount of stress, there is cortisol that is yes that is mm-hmm. basically produced. Cortisol is our stress hormone, and that drives chronic inflammation. Right. Right. You always have an adverse effect with microbial health, um, and it, it might necessarily it might be the the um, the the HPA axis being impacted. I mentioned before that there is a very strong correlation between gut health and, and brain health. Yes. Or mind health. Yep. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, so what you'll find is long-term medication, alcohol, chronic stress, all uh, poor diet, all of those things impact the, the microbiome and the presence of the the not the presence but the the abundance of good microbes compared to your well those your, are the four damaging things to well, the microbiome so diet definitely yeah and diet yeah. is both what you eat mm-hmm. but also what you drink stress ongoing chronic stress mm-hmm. absolutely long-term medication use will also impact what gut. sort of medication so it can be it can be anything from um, long-term pain relief. It can be medication for reflux, for example. So it doesn't. There aren't. I don't think there are necessarily any particular kinds of medication right. that are the right. problem. It's the fact that you are on long-term medication that's that's an issue. Okay, and the fourth one again. So we said stress. Yep. We said diet. We said um, medication. Medication and, and alcohol. What? But that's that goes with diet. Yes. So, okay. So that's another thing. Yes. But, but I don't think there's necessarily only four. Long. Um, if you are an overexerciser, that's an issue. So exercising. Uh, you know, we've got people who are addicted to exercise. They exercise six, seven days a week. Wow. I'm glad you called that out because I was one of those people. Yeah. yeah. But I that was increases. Exercising twice a day. Every high, day. High intensity. Yeah. Yeah. That's 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 very hard on the body, and yeah. that also will increase stress. Yes, that's what I found. I found like my heart rate would elevate even when I was asleep. I'd mm. wake up hot rather than wake up cool. And yeah, it just inflames your body. Mm. It doesn't and get it's a that chance. silent inflammation that we're talking yeah. about. Yeah. Yep. So they're the sorts of things that, that you look out for. Um, diet is one, but I want to know, you know, if someone, for example, doesn't sleep very well, I'm wanting to know why. And with, with a lot of women of a certain age group, it's because they're drinking every night. Yes. And so if we take that sparkling beverage and we replace that with we replace alcohol with that even during the week for them just to do that during the week they find that they sleep better their moods better um yeah they 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 feel better so that's awesome i love that you take that approach so they Mm. come and see you for topical treatment Mm. whether it's laser or what have you peels whatever peels but then you're working with them to fix the underlying problem which is nutritionally do you go into the emotional as well? I do, but I think where the emotional comes in, it's really having someone to talk to, yeah. right? The fact that they can actually have someone listen. Yes. Um, I, it's, it's quite interesting because when I did my health coaching course, they really focused on primary, what they called primary foods and secondary foods. 
Right. And with primary foods, you'd think that's about diet. Yes. But it was actually about emotional well-being. Okay. It was about relationships. Yes. It was about all of those underlying stressors that are then causing the issues that might be weight, weight issues or skin issues. So primary foods is really looking at what we can do to support the person so that they can give back to themselves. Okay. A lot of people, yep. you know, sort of sleep in, get up, drive to work, maybe don't have breakfast, don't exercise at all. So it's trying to find little windows where we can get them to exercise or do something that'll actually make them feel better in the long run. Right, um, right, you okay. know, I'm, yep. first of all, a, a believer in not everybody needing to have breakfast. If you're not a breakfast person, then that's fine. Yeah. Because there is also a benefit. I don't know whether you, well, you would have heard of intermittent, yeah, totally. yeah, intermittent yeah. fasting, yeah. for yeah. example. Yes. So I do the 16-8 yes, thing. Yes, as I do. Yeah. Yes. Mm. But that may not be for everybody. And that's where that, that bio-individual approach comes in. So we do what works for you. But if you're not eating because you don't have the time, because you're you know, sort of short on time in the mornings, yep. then let, let's look at how we can sort of work with that. It might be that we get them to prepare something, at, make their lunch for the next day, the night before, get up half an hour early to go for a walk. When they start to implement those little changes, they start to feel better. So... It's incremental. But So you can either lock yourself into a positive uh, uh, routine mm. <clears throat> or a negative because I have witnessed people who are locked into this negative uh, loop mm. where okay they uh, and you don't know where it started mm. right but it could be okay they have a bad diet during the day they have alcohol they have coffee mm. uh, they might be a little dehydrated because of those things and they try and go to sleep and then uh, they go to sleep a little late uh, because they put off going to sleep. A lot mm. of people will sit and put off going to sleep. Because they can't sleep? Yeah, and uh, I did a podcast with Alessandra on this uh, last week, which would have been published by the time we're having this talk, and it talks, uh, I forget she calls it, it's a syndrome. Um, and so then if they have a bad night's sleep, mm. they have to sleep longer, like mm. you said, mm. wake up mm. later mm. because they're not getting good quality. No. And because they're waking up later, they don't have time to eat well. They don't have time to exercise. Mm. And it's like the hit the repeat it's a, button. It's a cycle, yeah. And then they have foods throughout the day because when you're in that negative cycle, you start to crave the wrong foods. But do you know why you crave the wrong foods? Please tell me. A now. lot of it has to do with the gut microbial balance because, as I mentioned earlier, yes. these microbes release signals, chemical signals. And these chemical signals are called neurotransmitters. And they travel up this long nerve, which is the 10th cranial nerve called the vagus nerve. Yes. And the vagus nerve starts at the, the base of the, the brain, so mm -hmm. the brain stem, and it goes all the way and it innovates in, into the stomach. Yes. Into the gut, I beg your pardon. Yes. And so these signals that are released by these microbes travel up the vagus nerve to the brain, right? And so if you've got a lot of stress in your life, if you're not eating well, if you're not sleeping well, yes. then already the dominant microbial population is going to be made up of opportunistic or bad bugs, if you like. Yes. And yes. so they, the messages sent then control the decisions that are made. Yes. Because these microbes, in very simplistic terms, need to be fed. The food that they thrive on is processed, highly refined food. Yes. And so that's what you crave. 
So your okay, cravings yeah. are being driven by these microbes that basically are ruling you. So you're not really in control. You're not in control, control. at all. Yeah. But it takes as little as 48 hours to turn that around. Yes. And what you'll find is as your diet changes and you start to get some good veg and some good fruit sources into your diet that are very fiber rich, your microbial balance changes because the good bugs need fiber yes. that they break down and ferment, yes. which then produces short-chain fatty acids. And these short-chain fatty acids are anti-inflammatory. They help with supporting gut health, but they also release anti-inflammatory molecules into the bloodstream, which dampen down, dampen down inflammation. And so as your good bugs become the dominant ones, your cravings change. Okay. Now I want to talk about then the type of foods that improve gut health yep. and feed the good bacteria. Yep. And, uh, and this is a little bit controversial because you get people like Dr. Stephen Gundry uh, in the US who's yes. anti-beans, anti-grains, yes. yes. saying that they're inflammatory and yes. then you have other people saying the opposite. And mm. So we'll, <laughs> we'll get to that in a minute, but I just want to cover one thing about the vagus nerve mm. that connects the thinking brain with the feeling brain, the mm. feeling brain it's being the, the gut. gut. Yeah. Um, just want people to know that um, that's how your feelings drive your thoughts mm. because uh, if you're having negative thoughts, often it's the root cause is you have negative feelings mm. and you people are quick to think that there's something wrong with them emotionally or mm. psychologically. Mm. When in fact, it's just a simple matter of balancing your gut bacteria. Absolutely. So you don't need to rush off to um, psychotherapists. You well, need to get, first... To get, be put on antidepressants, for example. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Address your gut bacteria mm. first mm. because, uh, like, you, like you said, it's your feeling brain, your mm. gut, that controls 80% of your hormone Absolutely. balances. So... Uh, and I, I wrote an article about this, and for people listening, you'll find it on a higherbranch.com. It was uh, about the foods that make you angry. Mm. And Interesting. <laughs> I, I, I'd like to read that. <laughs> I did it. I mean, it's uh, the predictable stuff. You know, it was like high sugar, fried food, alcohol, anything that inflames the gut inflames you emotionally as well. Mm. And there was a strong correlation. So if you're a person who's quick to anger, irritable, then... Yes, it could be work stress, but the thing is your ability to manage work stress is influenced dramatically by your gut. What you're eating. Yeah, what, what, what you're, you're eating. eating. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so on that topic then, what is good for gut bacteria <laughs> universally? I, I appreciate okay. that some people okay. are different. And I will, yes, and, and, yeah. and it is very, that it's a very loaded question because it will be answered differently by different people. Yes, that's right. I have people who I know that are carnivores. They only eat meat. Yes. No fibre at all because fibre inflames them. Okay. Right? So there are, you've got, you know, exceptions. Okay. But generally what we know is that gut microbes need fibre. Okay. When you eat maybe, a, you know, um, some, maybe a salad for lunch or something with vegetables in it. Yes. It is broken down in the stomach. It then makes its way into the small intestine where the nutrients are drawn from that food into the bloodstream. Yep. And all of our cells, brain cells, heart cells, skin cells are nourished. Yes. Yeah, with the nutrients that travel through the bloodstream. What is not absorbed 
through the small intestine goes into the large colon. Yes. And that's where you will find the majority of the microbes that we oh, find in the, the gut, large in the large colon. The small. Absolutely okay. not. Very few in the small. So the nutrition is absorbed in the small? In the small, exactly. Okay, and yep. so when, when I mentioned before that people with rosacea tend to suffer from SIBO or small intestinal bacterial overgrowth, mm-hmm. what happens is microbes or bacteria that have no business being in the small intestine make their way in. Right. And then we have symptoms associated yes. with that. Yep. So the dominant, the majority of our um, microbes are bacteria. Okay. Yep. So yep. there are lots of other ones, but bacteria are the majority. Mm-hmm. And they are found in the greatest numbers in the large colon because their role is to ferment the fibre that passes from the small intestine once the nutrients have been absorbed into the large colon. Okay. Right. So fibre is important mm. because it provides a food source for these microbes. They then ferment the fibre. And when they ferment it, they make these metabolites called short-chain fatty acids that are beneficial to their host. Okay. Yep. Yep. And then once they've done that, it then passes out as waste. Once they've, you know, sort of gotten the, the metabolites from that, then we have fiber passing away, passing through the body as stool. Yes. 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 So in the in the large colon, short chain fatty acids are made. Now, if your diet mm. is devoid of short chain of fiber, then these microbes don't have anything to consume or to break down. Right. When we look at, at um, Western societies having very high a very high prevalence of of stomach uh, no more more um, colon related cancers, it's because of a lack of fibre. Ah yes. Okay. So yeah, often wondered why that because mm. they'd say it's red meat, but that is the cause of it. But that's too general, isn't it? Yeah. You basically, if mm. you want to really turn these sorts of situations around, you need to you need to introduce. A diet that is low sugar, that is very rich in, in fruit and veg because of, the, of, of its fiber content. But then I have people who will say, oh, but I, I eat a lot of fruit. Yes. <laughs> Too much fruit is also a problem. You really want to make sure that the diet is more vegetable based than fruit. And if you are going to, to, to have fruit, then you know, you're better off having your, your low sugar type fruits that are very high in antioxidants. I can't have like apples and sweet fruits. Ah. Yeah. Which is different, you know, for other people because fruit, um, apples are a very good source of fibre as well. Because of the pectin? The pectin is yeah, the fibre, yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah. Um, but see, not everyone can have, can have apples like yourself. Yeah, like you've you got to get to know yourself. Yes, and I that's did, it, yeah. I did many years ago uh, a, a course in nutrition on um, the blood type base. Yes. Uh, so I kind of... Uh, I love that. I actually live by the blood type mm-hmm. diet. I'm a blood type O, so predominantly I have um, a paleo-style diet. So Which I don't, works for me. Well, I don't do well with grains. Mm. I don't do well with white potato. Mm. I'm okay with rice, but I notice that um, meat and lots of green vegetables, works just vegetables, just, yeah. just work. Yeah. You know? and, yeah. uh, and I know some people who are blood type A, for example, can't process red meat. And, uh, but it comes back to what we said before about it being it needing to be a very bio individual approach. Yes, because we're not yeah. the same. That's exactly mm. right, and I I love that, and I think society is going to get to a stage where really we're going to be testing our microbiome as much as we test, you know, our uh, get a full blood count. And we it. actually I I run tests like that. Okay. So there's a company called Microba. Yes. That will actually once you send through a, a stool sample tell you 
what your microbiome is made up of. So you do that for your I, clients? I do yeah. that for my clients, yeah. Fantastic. Yeah, so you, it then also allows you to better work out what they should and shouldn't be eating rather than it being a, from a guesswork kind of perspective. Yeah. We can actually see what, what microbes are in the majority that shouldn't be and how we can then tweak, tweak so their So it's highly their targeted. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I love that. So, so I was thinking about that like 20 years ago. And finally, it's getting yeah, done. <laughs> yeah, and there are, are a few companies that are doing that—a complete microbiome mapping. It's yes. called. Yeah. How often should we check our microbiome? Well, it, it, see, what will drive someone to have it tested yeah. typically is curiosity. Yes. But also, where they have health issues, and we want to find out, want, want to get to the bottom of, of what's going on. So mm. you know, it's it's not something that everybody. Um, needs to have done. Yes. I mean, it's great to have it done so that you know what's going on, but it tends to be when they're in a state of ill health and, you know, we're trying to work out why that we would recommend that they have it, have it tested. Yeah, I mean, people, what I find in my years of coaching, they only will make change when they hit rock bottom. Yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> that's, <laughs> yeah, it's um, very true. A bit yeah. like going to the dentist. We know that we need to go <laughs> every six months. Who goes every... Do you go every six months? I do. Oh, you're good. You're very good. Well, I'm, I'm obsessed with peak performance yes. and Good on you. being the best if yeah. you like and I'm also a firm believer in like attracts like mm. so and in this I've read studies also that uh, and this is digressing a little that your microbiome also impacts your love life because it's not people that are falling in love or, or getting attracted to each other. It's actually the microbiomes that are listening or, or sensing each other. Is that right? I've, I've, I haven't looked too deeply into that. Yeah. But, but I, I, have, I have heard, yes. Yeah, so if you, if you feel like you're always attracting the wrong people into your life, then maybe you need to improve your <laughs> microbiome and attract because it's the microbiomes that talk. So uh, someone uh, who has a negative gut health bad gut health um they're going to be repelled by someone with good well it's, back, it's interesting yeah. it's quite interesting though because i once dated a gentleman mm. when he was first introduced to me that i had no interest in because yes. of how he appeared <laughs> <laughs> yes but yes great conversationalist we had a lot in common and we had a, a very cerebral connection yes yeah. his diet was shocking absolutely shocking i was horrified by what he ate okay but yes he let me he didn't know he didn't know what to eat yes and that's a challenge that i find that a lot of people have yes they eat to to live but they don't really know what is good for them and what's not <laughs> yes and what people sometimes describe to me as being healthy is far from being healthy yes so he let me guide him and so i was able to move things out that yes. were and he had a lot of of um um, gut issues, a lot yes. of gut issues. Yes. Big drinker, he just lived on cheese and refined processed foods. Yuck. Yes. Yeah, I nothing, guess. nothing. Okay. <laughs> cheese isn't good for me either. <laughs> but we had nothing in common on yes. that, you know, on that aspect. But changed his diet, showed him what to eat. Yes. He lost 25 kilos. Wow. And felt amazing for the first time in a long time. Yes. You did that. You changed his I life. Did that. I wonderful. did, but you see, but so, so I don't know that our gut bacteria were actually communicating with each other. So but maybe that theory is uh, <laughs> wrong. You know, the, the gut bacteria, uh, your gut is reflected in your tongue. 
So there's the oral microbiome. Yeah, so it's maybe next time you meet someone, you know, ask them to stick, stick their, their tongue, tongue out. out. <laughs> if, if there are... I do pay attention to people's tongues, and if it's coded, I think, you've got bad gut health. But do you know what? <laughs> I look at their faces. And you can tell. Because that, I can also tell. So I knew from the start that he was both a big drinker. Yes. And his diet was not that great. And okay. I was bang on the money. So there are definitely signs. So what can you tell about my face? Your skin's glowy. You, you actually look very healthy. <laughs> very you, good. Thank but you. But your, your skin is, yeah, is, is looking very, very bright. Wonderful. Mm. Wonderful. Well, obviously my gut bacteria is looking after me really well. Yeah. I mean, you said you, you, you mentioned that you had the session, the, the drinking session on the weekend, but that sounds like it was more of a... Yeah. A one-off thing rather oh, than being is. a regular yeah, thing. Yeah, one-off. Yeah. But you can tell straight away. And so for, for those of you who are listening, like it's okay mm. to fall off uh, track sometimes. Some people, when they fall off track, they just then go into a self-destructive mode and say, well... Forget it. Forget it. I'm just going to go all mm. out and wait till New Year's Eve comes mm. along and then make some resolution. But... Everyone falls off track. Absolutely. The key is the, the people that are performing well in life are the ones that get back pick on track. Them up, pick themselves up and Straight keep going. Yeah. Yeah, get and back I, I advise that because I will have people who are defeatists and, oh, no, look, I've stuffed up. Oh, it's too hard. I, I can't do it. You know, I'm hopeless at that. Yes. And I just make them understand that, like you said, everybody, no one's perfect. Everybody has days where, you know, maybe, yeah, they indulged. Yes. But then it's not it's making sure that that doesn't become the habit. Yes. You had right. the, you had the treat. Yeah. It's done. You've got the week to look forward to. Yes. I make them make Sunday their prep day. They prep for their week. Okay. And so I find that once they actually have make the time to go shopping, so I give them a, I actually give them a, a meal plan yes. and I give them a shopping list. And if they can be organized enough to prep for the week, then they find that they stay on track. Fantastic. So I think it's yep. really making them realise that a bad day does not define you. Yes. Put it behind you and, and keep going. And so you very... I mean, I've had so much success with people with all kinds of skin issues, psoriasis, eczema, by getting them to change their diet yes. because it definitely does reflect in, in um, the inflammation in the body and on the skin. And you've been doing it since 1996. Yeah. And obviously you have lots of really good stories. But what I love now, though, absolutely, yep. but what I love now is that it has entered the public consciousness that yeah. gut health is a thing and people are curious to know what to do and they're always fascinated by the fact that their food, what they eat, actually impacts gut health and okay. their overall health. Mm. So can you be a little bit more specific on some foods? You mentioned high fiber. Yeah, so what are some of the foods that you you love to recommend or you love to eat yourself? I like... Cheese, you know, Chisers day on a plate, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Chisers day on a plate. Well, I actually don't have anything to eat until until after lunch. So mid, right. midday is my is when I... So I'm, what's, what time is it now? So I'll get home now and I've, I've already prepped my salad. Yes. So I tend to always have salad as my main or... Something vegetable-based is my main um, meal. Yes. Um, sweet potato is very rich in fibre. Yes. Um, it's better for you than white potato. Absolutely. I it, love sweet potato. I roast pumpkin as well. Yes. Um, beetroot, raw beetroot is amazing. Love beetroot. I don't have it raw always. But oh, because canned, it tends to... Okay, well, steamed, yes, but yeah. rather, than, rather than out of a can. For me, beetroot is an mm. absolute superfood. Yes. Like, yes. it's amazing on my good gut. For, good yeah. for blood health as well. Yeah. Yeah. So I tend to really load my plate with lots of, of vegetables. Yeah. Um, if I am going to have fruit, it tends to be berries. Um, I'm also very wary with, with fish now. 
um, in Australia we um, we eat a lot of salmon. Yes. But a lot of our salmon, a lot of salmon is farmed. Yes. And farmed salmon is an issue. Yes, absolutely. I don't like salmon personally. I don't eat <laughs> so it. So I stopped. <laughs> when I found found out that salmon was actually farmed, I stopped. Yeah. yeah. Um, I like barramundi. Yes. Um, so I'll have a salad for for lunch. Lots of that. I've, Avocado is good, a good source of fat. Mm-hmm. Our cell membranes need fat. What about olive oil? Olive oil is good. Can that be, is that an alternative to avocado? Don't you like Don't you like avocado? I I, I eat by the blood type diet. Okay. And for blood type O, which is the predominant mm. blood type, do you know your blood type? O. O. Yeah. Mm. Uh, say uh, avocado and and uh, things like coconut oil are mm. very toxic for. I love my avocado. You do? Yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so um, olive oil's great. Yes. A good drizzle of some good extra quality, some good quality extra virgin olive oil yes. in the salad's good. So is that an alternative to avocado or does avocado have no, something that no, it doesn't? No, no, yeah. no. Avocado is a good source of good fat, as okay. is as is as your is olive oil. oil. Yeah. Okay. A lot of people are scared of fat. Yes. Because they think that fat's going to make them fat um, or it's, it's, it's unhealthy. But mm. it's your choice of fat that's important. Yep. So rather than having, you know, your canola or your sunflower seed oils that are... Or chicken skin or... Yeah, yeah, but you see... Yeah. So it's quite interesting because it depends on, on how you've sourced the animal. If you've got um, an animal that was grazed on grass or on the land yes. and not produced in a, a factory and, and fed, you know, toxic grain, yeah. then it, it's, a, it's a better quality source of meat. Okay. So... Yeah, I mean, I'm not, I'm not against chicken fat, chicken skin, sorry, I should say. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, I think it, it really has a lot to do with, with the quality of, of meat. What, what about red meat, lamb, beef? Yeah, goat? see, so the, yeah, yeah, but see, the, the, the issue is that a lot of, um, of livestock is farmed. Yes. And what I mean by that is it's actually taken off the land and to fatten the animal before slaughter, it's fed grain. Ah, so it's not... A lot of people will advertise things as grass-fed, but they don't say grass-fed. Finished, exactly. Yes. So you look for the finish. So in yes. the supermarket, you can actually see a big sign that says grass-fed, mm. and people will go to that thinking that it's a better choice, mm. but what's the finish? So they may have grazed the animal yes. on grass up until maybe six months or shorter before they actually slaughter it. Mm. It's fed predominantly grain, yes. and then it's slaughtered. So it's, it's a much fatter animal yes. they get more for their money yeah. but that has now made the animal higher in omega-6 fatty acids than omega-3 yeah. so more inflammatory exactly so i I'm, and i i learned this you know as i as i you know have have gone through my studies that if you can find um animal so that are grass fed and finished they're actually higher in omega threes okay so they have a more anti-inflammatory profile so omega-3 is being, omega the, being the anti-inflammatory yeah yep. okay yeah. because the the big issue for most people is silent inflammation yes which starts in the gut yes that's where the inflammation switch is turned absolutely. on or off yeah. yes yeah. yeah absolutely what about uh, are there some vegetables like because people say oh vegetables are good for you but then they just eat potatoes <laughs> mm. are there some vegetables that are bad for your gut health so and this is where it becomes an individual thing as well yeah we have certain vegetables that we describe as the nightshade being from the nightshade family yes solana sea family yes and they can be 
inflammatory for certain people. For the gut, yep. Yes, mm. yes, but, but not only the gut. So it starts in the gut. Yes. But you have, for example, um, people who have thyroid conditions uh, who, are, who have arthritis yes. that will find that when they eat these vegetables from this family that they get flare-ups. So white potato is mm-hmm. in the family, eggplant, yes. tomatoes, capsicum okay. are all in that nightshade family. Right. And so while they might be okay for some people, they're not, not necessarily okay for others. Grains, um, I'm thinking about people who have a lot of legumes, for example, and um, you know some members of the grain family. If you soak your grains before you actually cook them, you'll yeah. find that they have actually sprouted. And so a lot of these grains have this protective coating over them that can be inflammatory for some people. So it's, it's about the way that you prepare them. Um, so what sort of grains? You mean like oats? Yeah. So oats. Are oats bad for you or good for well, you? Well, see, this is this is where you, you find that there are, there's a divided camp. Right. Because a lot of times oats are not just processed on their own. Yes. They can be processed with other grains. So you've got this contamination that can occur. And so for some people, oats can be a problem. Um, I eat oats. Yes. And I'm fine with them. Right. Mm. Right. So, like I said, it's a, it's a very individual thing. Where you've got people with autoimmune conditions and inflammatory conditions, they may have oats taken out of their diet. I don't eat rice. Rice doesn't agree with me. I don't eat, right. I don't eat wheat. Right. So I don't eat pasta. I don't eat bread because it does not agree with me. And so when I'm going through um, someone's diet where they present with inflammatory skin conditions or inflamed gut or problems like that, I will remove grain because that tends to be um, the, the most inflammatory of perhaps oh, really? of, of the foods that they're eating. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Bloating, yep. people with bloating, cramping, <coughs> I go immediately to their diet. And typically there is grain in there. There is wheat in there. So wheat is... Wheat, wheat, is, wheat is problematic, yes. Okay, for most people. For most people, yeah. And they may okay. not know that. And so this is the thing, they might come and see me, they've always eaten that way. Yes. They've just assumed that bloating was normal. Yes. Until we remove those foods and they realise that they've got no issues and their tummy is flatter than, than they've, they've ever had it. Yeah, I, that was the game changer for me. Getting rid of wheat. wheat. Yeah. yeah. And it's hard because I'm Lebanese heritage yes. and we eat everything yes. with Lebanese bread, right? Yes, <laughs> and I have a lot of clients who come and see me <laughs> yeah. who struggle because of the bread. But then I just replace it with something else. Because yes. you can you can make bread, you know, with almond meal, for example, um, buckwheat. Yeah, it's you not know. the same. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, well, you made the switch, so as hard as it was, you, I guess, decided that your health was more important. Uh, well, look, every now and then I do it cheap. Like yeah. yesterday, I, you know, I got stuck into the bread. So you got I, stuck into the bread and the alcohol. I went both. to this amazing restaurant yeah. in Parramatta called yeah. Baiti, B-A-Y-T-I, right. which stands for my house. right. And it's a Lebanese yes. restaurant, and they laid out this beautiful <laughs> spread of all types of foods, and of course came out the Lebanese yes. bread. And the only way to eat Lebanese food is to take the bread with, with your hands. hands. Yeah. <laughs> and I got to, it fed the soul. Yeah, and see, and then you're back on track today. <laughs> yes. You know, so yeah. like you said before, you can allow yourself these indulgences. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> the other trick that I find with oats, because mm. I find oats pretty good mm. um, for fibre. Mm. Uh, I soak it with hot water, but okay. then I put a drop of apple cider vinegar and let it sit. Mm. Now, I've heard that the apple cider vinegar does something to the oats, removes the agglutinins, and then I drain it 
and then I use it. In and do you find that that is actually, do you notice a difference? Yeah, I do. Yeah. What? I don't know what's going on at the molecular level, but I've heard that tip. Uh, and I, I've What about just soaking years. oats, though? Because when you soak, I don't know whether you've heard of activating. Yes, of course, yes. And so when you soak any mm. grain, um, it actually, it does change it at a molecular level. I haven't heard of the apple cider vinegar tip. Right, but maybe it t- activates it to the next level or something. Maybe, maybe. I'll, I'll look into that. I mean, I activate everything. I activate uh, almonds yes. before I yes. eat them. Yes. So I'll soak them for a day and a half mm. or two and mm. then you can just peel. Do you peel, do you? Yeah, the peel comes off really quickly and the almonds activated and I find that it's easier to digest. It is easier to digest yeah. because they all have... It tastes better too. They, they do, they yeah. do. And I, I activate my nuts, but I... Sounds a bit rude. But I don't remove the skin, so I yes. activate them and then I will put them... I've got a, um, a dehydrator. Ah, yes, So I yes. put them in the dehydrator okay. and they dry out and they're much better Anyone than... Anyone can buy a dehydrator from yeah, and yeah. yeah, you can buy one from... Just Google dehydrator. Okay. And they're yep. so much more um, economical doing yes. it that way than buying activated nuts from a health shop. Oh, they're, that they're is about ten times, ten yeah. times the price. Yeah, yep. and so what activating does is it removes the the plant poisons that basically keep that that um, that whether it be the nuts or whatever it is, it mm. it actually keeps them um, protected. Right. So it's it's right. it's a protection against things that might eat them. Yes. Right. And so those poisons. So there's lectins. There's f- um, you've got your phytates. Yes. They are all released when you or, or removed when you you activate or so see this is where ancient wisdom is mm. like my grandmother knew this many years ago yeah. she'd say don't eat these beans yet because mm. i haven't done this yeah. to them because it's going to give you an upset stomach yes yes so she would soak them for a long time mm. and then she would cook them you know like a pressure yes, steamer pressure cooker, yep. pressure cooker with and she'd always throw in garlic ah. and the garlic would do something to the uh, the beans. I, I mean, I wish I had a you know a degree in mm, <laughs> molecular see, biology to know exactly yeah, what's but, happening at, yeah. at the cellular level. Um, but it maybe it, it's not the food that's the problem. It's the way we're producing it. I think it's the way we're it. yes. Um, you're mentioning beans, soaking beans. I don't ever encourage buying beans in a can or. Why is that? Because it's so much uh, more convenient. It's more convenient, but a lot of times you will find that they will add sugar. Yes. Um, or a high, lot of, a high amount of, of salt in them. I just find that buying them dry and soaking them, you're more in control of what you're eating. Good. Yep. I like that. And yep. it doesn't take long. You put them into a bowl of, of um, cold water or just um, room temperature water. Put it overnight. Leave them overnight. Yeah. yeah. So much easier. It is it? easier. Yeah. And yeah, it's better for you. How long have the beans been sitting in a can for? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. And what sort of beans do you recommend? Uh, <laughs> there are some people that can't, that don't tolerate legumes at all. Well, see, this is why I ask mm. because I can't tolerate navy beans, mm. kidney beans. Even when you've soaked them? Yes, absolutely. Mm. But I'll eat cannellini beans, okay. not a problem. Adzuki, mm. uh, black eyed beans, mm. yeah, uh, turtle, turtle beans. What are turtle beans? Black beans, I think they're. Are they pigeon peas, maybe? So in the Caribbean, they, they, it sounds like what they call pigeon peas. Maybe, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. It just it has this beautiful, when you break them, uh, you mush it together, yeah. a, a, a purpley black, you feel like it's full of antioxidants. Yeah, you yeah, know? It's, yeah. uh, but again, it's blood type specific. Mm. So my wife, who's blood type B, 
she does much better on navy beans and kidney beans. And if you look into the blood type diet, you'll see that... It makes sense. Yeah, it makes mm. absolute sense. Mm. Uh, so whereas if I have, as I said, navy beans, I'm like, yeah, I'm <laughs> bloated. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I stopped eating a lot of beans for that reason. I, I bloat very easily. But, you know, I think for most people, yes. it's about getting them off a, a highly refined processed diet. It's the first step. It's the it? first step. Yeah. And so, you know, you're drilling down, really drilling I'm down and being that, yeah, being that yeah. specific. <laughs> but for most people, it's the relief they get from cutting out yes. high, high, highly refined foods. Okay. The fact that they're not even thinking about, mm. you know, cutting out bread because they couldn't imagine life without bread. Yes. But yeah. finding out that when they do and they replace it with something else, they feel so much better. But yes. their skin responds as well. So it's baby steps. It's cutting out the obvious things. But yes. I've had I've actually had two people who've come to see me end up going to study nutritional medicine because of the relief they got, because of the way their health was turned around. So it becomes, you were talking about um, me being an educator. I educate um, when I'm seeing my, my clients. Yes. I, I, I think that knowledge empowers. Yes. This is why you need to do X, Y, and Z, because it will affect you this way. Yes. And by empowering them with education, it makes sense. So rather than talking at them and telling them what they need to do without an explanation, I, I really try to drill down. And they're always fascinated with gut, gut health, and yes. the fact that it, that's really the starting place. Absolutely. A lot mm. of people are fascinated, and that's why you know, I wanted to have this discussion. And there are people that listen to our, our podcast, a lot of them that have attended our events, mm. and I've spoken to a lot of them, and they, they drill down to this yeah. level. Like there are some people obviously out there listening who are just too busy and don't yes. understand the basics. But there seems to be three three levels where you can go to. The first superficial level, if you like, is mm. just cut out the processed, yeah. obvious stuff, yes. right? But it's not obvious, though, to a lot of people. To a lot of people, mm. like alcohol, processed bread, yeah. processed things, cheese. Things in a packet. Yeah, Things exactly, with yeah. ingredients that you don't recognise. Yep. You know, that's the first step. Yep. Um, and bread is a classic example. Yes. So it's it's... Just really making sure that the majority of what you eat is from nature, has not been manipulated. Yes. Start with that. Um, and so what I also, when people are, are trying to make their way forward, I always will say, you know, ha have a, a, a cheat meal on a Saturday or a Sunday so that it takes care of that craving, but let it be that 90% of what you're doing is, is healthy. 90%, yes. And people say 70, people say, people say 80. <laughs> people say 80. A lot of people say 80. They say 80, yeah. What about... Um, but these are people with inflamed conditions. Yes, of you. course. Yeah. They're motivated. Yeah. There's a reason. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, what about uh, some nuts like cashews? You know, they're touted as... Cashews, no good. I, I thought so because cashews they're touted they're, as health food, they're but so, they're not. They're so full of starch. Yes. Right? When, when we eat nuts, we're eating nuts for the good fats. Yes. Right? Cashews are not even really, they're not your proper nuts. They're legume, aren't they? Yeah, they're legume. Okay, yeah. yeah. Um, so m macadamia. Yes. Very good. Very high in good okay. fats. Yes. Um, of course, your almond. Yes. Your um, Brazil nuts. Yes, walnuts. Yeah, walnuts, walnuts are okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I'm just thinking about nuts that have a, a higher fat content. And okay. cashew. So when people come to see me with their skin issues yes. and they say they eat a lot of nuts, they're eating a whole bag of cashews. And I'm like, no, nah, we're taking cashews completely out of the picture. Yes. And they're quite stunned because they thought that they were healthy. And so when you do eat these nuts, it's a handful, not a bag. 
Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad you said that. Yeah. 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 Like a handful is like 10 to 15 nuts. Yeah. Effectively, if it's yeah. almonds, yeah. so, yep. yeah. 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 And when they're activated, they're, it's hard to stop at 10, isn't it, sometimes? Yeah, well, this is a thing, like, you, you, you might wake up one day and read somewhere that, oh, almonds are good for you, and then I've been down that track before, like, many years ago, and then I'll buy a whole bag yes. and yeah. sit there munching yes. it all, all yeah. day, and then I'll tell my PT, he'll say, no, dude, you can't have to, that many almonds. <laughs> Not every day. Um, and the same goes for meat, and the mm. same goes for... You know, even healthy foods, you can't have too many blueberries, you know. So everything in moderation. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, and I guess maybe it's a conversation for another day, but I also see a lot of people who have become vegan. Yes. Or, you know, sort of started... No, let's have that conversation, yes. (laughs) Well, I... It sparks a lot of debate. Well, it does. And, Mm. you know, I will always respect your choices. Yes. But when I have someone come in to see me with um, health issues... Yes. ...where, you know, they've become vegan for... Um, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Compassionate yes. reasons. Yeah, yeah, they see animals as sentient beings, and they don't want to include animals in their diet. They're not doing anything to replace the the nutrition they get from that animal source. Right, right. So we see a lot of people with who are um, who are anemic, for example. Um, and so if they're not going to eat meat, then they need to do something to supplement. Yes. And so B12 is usually what we get from our, our red meat. Yes. And so it might be that they will then add activated yeast into yes. their diet, which they had not even maybe heard of before, our That's, conversation. Yeah. They've made this, this conscious decision, but they haven't really looked into what it was going to do for them. So we get a lot of people with depression. Um, who are vegans. Yes, yeah. who are vegans. Um, B12 is uh, made in the gut. Um, we need our red meat. Mm. I mean, there are lots of um, vegetable sources, but when you were, we were talking before about um, having um, these legumes and these things activated, we need to activate them to release their nutrition. You'll find that legumes and plant sources are not as bioavailable as meat sources. Right. 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 And so... Your meat source is always going to be your your um, your best form of of um, receiving that kind of um, uh, um, nutrition. Yes. So if they're not going to have meat, well then they need to perhaps add some activated yeast or take um, B12 supplements. So yes, you know while you might think that it's a great decision you've made, your health can be impacted. Lethargy, right. not having energy, not being able to concentrate. Yes. Um, can all be the fallout of of becoming vegan. Yeah, well, I, a person close to me recently uh, was discovered to be really anemic, mm. very low iron levels, yes. was having health problems, and I asked her, what have you done different? Mm. And she said, stopped eating red meat yeah. about a year and a half ago yeah. because of, you know, she jumped on the vegan bandwagon, bandwagon. yes, mm. and uh, it just did not suit her. No, uh, and that's the thing, right? We're talking yeah. about, you know, what works for one person may not work for another. Your skin becomes very sallow, dry, hair becomes brittle. There are all of these knock-on effects. Yes. Yeah. But that's not... For people who are pro-meat, that's not your cue to go and eat slabs of it every day no. either. <laughs> because we're, one thing that I know is that when we say, look, red meat is you know, good for you and it's essential, 
I have red meat maybe once or twice a week, mm. right? Mm. And it's usually like, you know, the size of the palm I was just going to say, palm, yeah. Of the, yeah, palm size. Yeah, yeah. so it, we're not talking about a lot no. of red meat here to be healthy, but so 70% of my plate vegetables. is vegetables. Yeah. And exactly. it'll be yellow, it'll be orange. Colour, it'll, I say yeah. colours of the rainbow. Absolutely. Eat the rainbow. Yeah, yeah eat the rainbow. Mm. And, um, and for grain, I will uh, mix in some quinoa some days, other days some rice. Quinoa needs to be soaked for me. So I will soak yep. it first. Okay, for a long time before cooking? Yeah, so like activating it. So I I will do it overnight and then I don't get the bloat. Okay, Mm. yep. Yeah, I've heard that about uh, quinoa. Mm -hmm. So I think uh, whether a grain or a legume agrees with you or not, the the message from you, Chisa, is that it should be uh, soaked. I think soaking it makes the the nutrients more bioavailable. Okay. Yeah, and I also think for people who notice that they do bloat when they eat these things, Mm. if you soak them first, that tends to help. That's beautiful and empowering because a lot of people don't want to give up some of the things mm. that they enjoy eating. Mm. So just simply by soaking yeah, them. And see, see whether it makes a difference to them. That's awesome. What about beverages? What about kombucha or booch okay. as we call booch. it? Yeah, <laughs> if you're, if you're going to make your own booch, fantastic. Right. A lot of the, um, the commercial booches yeah. are still very high in sugar. And that's a problem. When you think about gut microbial diversity and we talk yes. about sugar being a no-no, yes. you definitely want to make sure that if you are going to have it, that you make your own. And so that would be acquiring, it would, it would mean acquiring a SCOBY. Yes. Have you seen a SCOBY? I haven't, but no. I've heard so a SCOBY, yeah. so it stands for Symbiotic Culture of Bacteria and Yeast. Yep. So it looks like a, a bit like a jellyfish. It's right. very um, slimy and slippery, but it's teeming with bacteria. Right. And so it's also called the mother. Yes. So you would get some good quality black tea, mm-hmm. throw in some, um, so brew it. Yes. Um, when it cools, add in some sugar, depending on how much water you've got in, in the, the container. And then you throw in your SCOBY. So the SCOBY is going to consume the sugar. And at the same time as it does that, it ferments the beverage. Right. So that right. beverage is teeming with beneficial bacteria. Okay. The problem is yes. that with your commercial brews, they have not allowed for the complete consumption of the sugar to occur. You'll know that it's all been consumed because it turns the, the beverage slightly vinegary. So when it tastes a little bit vinegary yeah. and a little bit tart, it's, it's done. It should, it's, not a, it's not a soft drink. Okay, so if it tastes too good... You know that you, there's still some, some more, some more just, fermenting to, yeah, to be done. But <laughs> of course, no one's, going, no one's going to drink that if, if that's available commercially because it doesn't yeah. taste very nice. Yes. And so they will keep the sugar content high and they will flavour it. And so people drink that yes. thinking that they're healthy, but maybe not, 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 not quite. Not that healthy, okay. No. What about dairy, milk, cheese? Also, can you comment on some of the nut milks like almond milk, rice milk, okay. uh, oat milk? Yeah. Okay, uh, so they seem to be consumed yeah. now uh, instead of um, cow's milk. Yeah. So, um, with a lot of inflammatory conditions, mm-hmm. there is a, a dairy element, and that is because dairy has sugar. Lactose is, is dairy sugar right. or milk sugar. Yes. And so that has those same effects that I mentioned, where we have insulin spiking when you consume milk, for example. Yes. Insulin spikes. With insulin spiking, there is actually a, I'm getting a bit technical here, but there's a a growth factor that's released called insulin-like growth factor. Right. And that growth factor drives weight gain, 
it also drives changes that you see in oil that's yes. produced by your oil glands. Yes. Yeah. So the oil becomes very thick and very sticky and very waxy. IGF-1 also drives skin cell proliferation inside that follicle. So you have the same thing happening. Skin cells shedding, mixing with the oil, forming a plug. Wow. And then oh, you okay. have the bacteria that are trapped inside that follicle yes. that are anaerobic mm-hmm. that drive acne. So we get people to cut out dairy for that reason. What if you don't have acne? Does that mean it's no, okay well, to eat dairy? But I think, I think it, it's, a, it's an individual thing. Yeah. You know, it's an individual thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you're looking at inflammation control. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I have had a lot of um, red inflamed skins, women with rosacea, yes. who have eaten a very Western diet. Um, they've cut out meat, thinking meat was a problem, and really focused on dairy, and their skin condition has worsened. Ah, of course, yes. They cut yes. out the dairy, and they find that miracu- miraculously, the inflammation improves. Right. So I guess it's what I would say is, like you said before, it tends to be when people come in looking for, for answers, yes, that yes. They, we then sort of go through their diet and find what does and what doesn't work for them. And so, yeah, I mean, they're, in Australia, you know, people love, love their cheese and love their, love their dairy. If it works for you, fine. But I tend to find that it is inflammatory. But a lot of people don't know no. what it, whether it works for them or not. No, because they've always, they've always consumed it. Silent information is silent. It's silent. Right. <laughs> until it reaches a tipping point. Yeah. And then you see it manifested in, in some way. Yes. Yeah. Whether it's arthritis. Or yeah. Um, Skin it, because, issues. Because I'm in the skin area, it mm. tends to be skin issues skin that issues. I see. Thank you for listening to my interview with Chisel Westcar. I hope you have learned a lot about gut health and the correlation between your gut and skin health. And most importantly, I hope you've learned how to look after your microbiome going forward because the science is irrefutable. So next week on a higher branch podcast, Chisel joins me again to discuss the best ways to protect your skin this summer. And this is in line with our series on face aging. So we're gonna discuss from the type of sunscreen to use to uncovering why Australians are prone to skin cancers and how to cover up. She unravels it all. So make sure you head to our website to subscribe to our mail list to receive our second episode with Chisa direct to your inbox. Until next week, live consciously, my friends.